The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and thank you for joining me today. I just got back from Dubai and uh, had a wonderful visit there. I, I uh, had a keynote uh, around talent and learning at uh, the Informa uh, conference for senior HR leaders and CEOs. Um, great session, great group of people, wonderful opportunity to learn uh, what people are doing in the Middle East, and a lot of really interesting things in the talent and learning space uh, that people are getting into. I also ran a workshop on global talent mastery. It was a certification for senior leaders uh, using uh, my benchmarked process um, that's been actually proven to drive business results. You know, it's a process that uh, really comes out of GE, which is the world standard. Uh, many people have tried to emulate it, um, and it does have to be adapted to the ver- various different environments and cultures within which one's working, but it is still the benchmark for how you really drive the best talent equation uh, in the world, actually. Many profess to know it, but frankly, you have to have been in GE to really experience it and really experience how it works so rhythmically around the world and how fact-based it really is. Speaking of GE, um, I want to jump into uh, my next guest. And I met Marshall Goldsmith, uh, who's just the greatest person. I would say about, oh, almost 15 to 20 years ago now. And I was looking for a great coaching process for our very senior leaders around the world at GE. And I talked to a lot of coaches. I was the head of leadership development at that time. And I ran into Marshall. And I was so stunned by the elegance and the simplicity of the process that he offered uh, that I really uh, engaged with him. And the other piece that really struck me, you can talk to a lot of coaches and they'll tell you what they can do and how they can help you. But very often, very rarely do you run into a coaching process that is measurable and documentable. So you can really say that somebody started in one place and showed measurable, documented improvement 
over a, over a six-month to a year period of time. So that intrigued me. Marshall won me over with that fact alone because mm. so many of us don't do enough fact-based human resource and leadership development work. And that's been my personal mantra ever since I got into this field, to put science behind what we're trying to do. You know, you wouldn't, a CFO would never come in with a bulleted list of uh, focus group information. They'd come in with facts and measures. And human resource and organization development people have to do that as well. So that's why I loved Marshall's work. It went over so well at GE, and I'm talking with our very senior leaders. Um, It got incorporated into our leadership development programs around the world. And speaking of what a wonderful man Marshall is, he was gracious enough to allow us to make this turn his coaching process, the behavioral coaching model, into a train-the-trainer, which we took around the world and taught all of our human resource leaders how to use this process. And we had dramatic improvement and results. We actually took it to the board of GE to show how well people had improved from a behavioral perspective from point A to point B. We also showed improvement in our employee engagement scores in the area of helping our leaders learn how to give feedback. So from that point forward, I have always been a devotee and great fan of Marshall. Since that time, Marshall has gone on to do even more incredible things. He's a best-selling New York Times best-selling author. What got you here won't get you there. Uh, he's done a fabulous book, many, many fabulous books, but Mojo, another really personal book about how to develop your personal leadership. He's one of the top, and I mean one or two, 50 thinkers in leadership in the world. And he is the leading executive coach. I'm really honored to have Marshall Goldsmith with me today. Marshall, thank you so much for making the time to be here. It's just been such a pleasure to work with you and follow your career and, and, and follow your thinking. It's, it's so simple and so profound. So oh, thank, thank you, Thank you so much. I'll tell you, working with you has always been a joy because the reality is I spent very little time, as you recall, doing the setup for the Train the Trainers, and you guys managed that internally and just did a spectacular job. And something I'm very proud of in working with you is there's kind of a story that said, well, HR coaches can never do as well as external coaches. And you measured it and showed, yes, they can. In many cases, the internal HR coaches did better than the external coaches, and we developed a process, and not only did we develop a process, we got improved at work. Yeah. Absolutely, we proved it work. Uh, Marshall, let me let me uh, just ask you this. I mean, it's such a great process. What got you into this coaching methodology in the first place? What what made you realize this was such a powerful thing for leadership well, development? He, I was kind of a pioneer in three hundred and sixty degree feedback. Yes, you especially were. Especially customized three hundred and sixty degree feedback. We started doing that way before you know way before it was common practice, and then. I learned, well, after people went to classes and got feedback, then we started looking at their future feedback and saw who got better and who didn't change. Yeah. And then I began to realize the key variable for success 
was not so much the program, because it was the same program. It was a degree of follow-up exhibited by the people who went to the program. And then I got into coaching. A CEO said, I've got this guy working for us, young, smart, dedicated, hardworking, driven to achieve, creative, arrogant, stubborn, know-it-all jerk. He said it would be worth a fortune to me if I could change his behavior. So I said, you know, I like fortunes. Maybe I could help him. <laughs> he, said, he said, I doubt it. I said, maybe I could help him. That's when I came up with my idea. I said, I'll work with him for a year. If he gets better, pay me. If he doesn't get better, it's all free. What did he say? Sold. And so, as you know, since then, all my coaching is I only get paid for results. I love that guarantee piece. I mean, that to me uh, really won me over. Uh, although, you know, I want you to tell that story. Remember you were coaching this one woman we asked you to coach uh, at GE? And, right. and you won the whole company. You won Jack Welsh over with this. But tell that story. Well, what happened is I was asked to coach a person, and uh, I, you know, I had my pay for results, and I said, I will work with people if they do this and this and this, and they have to get feedback, they have to apologize, they have to talk to people, they have to follow up, they have to get remeasured. And then the HR person called me back and said, well, this person wants you to hire them, but they don't want to do all that stuff. Well, I said, no, then I'm just not going to work with them. Then they called back again and said, uh, oh, well, forget the pay for results. I will pay you anyway, but, you know, if the person, you know, just just do put in time. I said, no, it's not the amount of money. It's basically, I don't want to waste my life. So I said, I'm not going to do that. And the person said, well, you can't tell us this. I said, well, you know, there is this freedom of speech clause. I can kind of say anything I feel like. And um, then I just said no, and then this guy, as you know, got kicked back up to the top, and and the questions were asked, well, what did Marshall want this person to do? Well, get feedback. Okay, what's wrong with that? Pick something to improve. Okay. Uh, apologize for mistakes. Should have been done years ago. Uh, talk to people and follow up. If you don't do that, you don't get better. And what GE wisely decided is, forget it. Pull the plug. Then, So what happens is they fire the person. As you know, two of the top people in the division then came back up and said, we were going to quit GE if you didn't get rid of this person. And I got a call back and said, thank you. Thank you for having the courage to stand up and say, no, you're not going to do this because it's not in our best interest or the company's best interest. Marshall, that story, and and actually, you know, two story, is what gave you so much credibility with Jack Welsh that, you know, so few coaches have that much courage to really do what is the right thing in this particular case. And as you know, that woman eventually uh, left the company. And to your point, people, you know, she was, a, she was a real challenge, unfortunately. So, Marshall, tell me, you've got a new book coming out, Triggers. Triggers. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, uh, this new book I'm very excited about. It's about uh, creating behavior that lasts, becoming the person you want to be. In the book, I say I'm going to make no effort to tell you who you want to become. The goal of the book is to help you become the person that you do want to become. So I talk about how to look at your future in life, and then I talk about our environment. And why we first I begin by talking about why we don't become the person we want to become. Why is it we don't live up to our New Year's resolutions? Why is it we make these plans every day that we don't end up living up to? And then... Uh, why do we fall short all the time? So I talk about the various delusions that we have in terms of planning for our futures 
Then I talk about how the environment influences us, and without meaning to, we become created by the environment rather than the environment creating us, and how these triggers in the outside world just influence our behavior, and how to start becoming aware of these so we can anticipate them and and really stop and learn how to deal with it. And then finally, I talk about the daily question process and some very exciting new work I've been doing on employee engagement. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I always loved your statement, and I use it a lot. You know, can people change? Sure they can. Will they? Maybe. And so it right. sounds like the book is really giving people the formula to understand, okay, you're getting ready to fall back to that old behavior, so what do you need to do? So what, what are some of the tips that you give people on, on how to pick up on those triggers? Well, I've got... <laughs> I've got one tip I'll share with everyone who's listening. This is called the daily question process, and what I teach people is I say, I'm now going to teach you something that takes two minutes a day. It costs absolutely nothing, and it's going to help you get better at almost anything, and then half the people that start will quit within two weeks, and you won't quit because it doesn't work. You'll quit because it does work. Yeah. So as you know, the way the daily question process is, You get out an Excel spreadsheet. On one column, you write down a series of questions that represent what's really important in your life. And this could be things like health or family. Or Some of my questions include things like, how many times yesterday did you try to prove you were right when it wasn't worth it? Or how many angry or destructive comments did you make? Or did you say or do something nice for my wife and my son or my son-in-law my grandkids? My, you know, did I say or do something nice? Just simple questions about life and every day. Every question is answered with a yes or a no or a number. If it's a yes, it's a one, no or zero or a number. And you write it down every day and you fill out this form. And you have an Excel spreadsheet, seven boxes across, one for every day of the week. And then when you fill it out, at the end of the week, you get a report card. What I tell people is that report card at the end of the week might not be quite as pretty as that corporate values plaque that's stuck up on the wall. Those values are what I call talk values. You do this every day and you get that little report card. Those are called live values. And when you do this every day, you learn, you know, life is really easy to talk. It's just incredibly difficult to live. So what I tell people is the stuff I'm going to teach you, it's not hard to understand. It takes courage to do, though. Yeah, it, it, it really does. And it, the thing that's always struck me about uh, the way you've approached this is that everyone that I know who's experienced your process finds out that they end up being an incredibly better person for it and that their family life improves as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. One thing I've been doing in my classes, you might want to try this. In my classes, this is so much fun. I say, how many of you think customer satisfaction is important? They're both, oh, yes, yes. Should we ask our customers for feedback? Yes, yes. Should we listen? Yes, yes. Should we get better based on what we learn? Yes, yes. Do you have a husband or wife or partner at home? Yes. Have you been asking them a question, what can I do to be a better partner? Total silence. Yeah. Not so many yeses. Then I, oh, Linda, you'll love this. I now have people get out their text, get out their cell phones, and they have to send a text to their husband, wife, or partner and ask a question. What can I do to be a better partner in this relationship? Yeah, there is. I'm going to write a book about the results. The results. I, I, I think you should. Oh, but you know, when you hilarious. when you get right down to it, Marshall, it's a scary question. It is a scary. It's hilarious. Question. 
Let me give you some some of the favorites. Are a lot of the wives sit a note back and say, "I'm your wife. Who did you mean to send this to?" <laughs> that is really uh, funny. That is really I get a lot of. Are, are you drunk? Are you on drugs? Are you, uh, three times I've had the wife call the husband and say, "Are you sick?" <laughs> and they think they must be dying. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Would, would tell me about this book that you're thinking about going forward on engagement. What? What's? What's your? How? Tell me about that. That sounds really interesting. Well, a lot of my new book. In my new book, Triggers, I talk about it. If you look at, I go to a presentation at the National Academy of Human Resources, and I'm a fellow of the academy, and they have all the top HR people from various companies. So I'm listening, and three of the top HR people in the world are given a challenge. Tell us everything you know about employee engagement. Well, they talked about, you know, good things like people and quality and customer integrity and good leaders. Everything they said was, I agreed with, by the way, these are very smart people. I listened, I realized absolutely zero was done about teaching employees how to engage themselves. 100, when I say zero and 100, I'm not exaggerating. 100% of the dialogue is how can we engage you? 0% is how can you engage yourself? It was the reverse. Remember the famous John Kennedy speech? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. This was the exact opposite of the John Kennedy speech, the whole thing. It was nothing about what can I do. It's how can somebody make me engaged? So that's when I came up with my idea of teaching employees, and as you know, like you, I love measurement, how to start measuring their own effort and level of engagement and try to teach people to engage themselves. And we've had some amazing results. Tell me about some of those results, Marshall. That sounds really interesting. We're going to be coming up on break in about 30 seconds, but give us a snippet and we'll talk about it when we get back from break. Well, before we come back from break, I want everybody to be thinking, I'm going to ask everybody that wants to, they can participate in a research study that I'm doing. And you'll have an opportunity to get an email every day for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, you can measure, did your engagement increase? What a great idea. What a great idea. Stay with us. We're with Marshall Goldsmith, leading leadership thinker, coach, best-selling author. And if you've been listening, uh, you can tell why. Uh, Marshall will be coming back, and we're going to be talking about how you can personally increase your own engagement. Thank you, Marshall, and stay with us. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Hi. Welcome back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm your host. And I'm thrilled to have with us today Marshall Goldsmith, who is one of the best executive coaches in the world. And if you've been lucky enough to uh, work with him, you absolutely know why. Marshall and I were just talking about engagement and his latest research and activities that he's been doing around that. He always has such a terrific twist on these things. So, Marshall, tell me about active versus passive questions and how well, that you reads. Know, Linda, I, I actually got this from my daughter, Kelly. Uh, my daughter, Kelly, some of the people listening may have seen her before. She was uh, graduated from Duke on Survivor. She got a PhD at Yale. Then she's a professor of marketing real at the Kellogg School. Marshall, right? <laughs> she's a oh, real slacker, proud. right? Uh, I know. She just got ranked one of the nine top uh, business school professors in the world under 40. Not too bad. Wow. I'm a that, proud daddy. And his two, as, you, as I told you, two grandbabies, even better. So yeah, anyway, let me, absolutely. Let me tell you what Kelly taught me. Kelly's reviewing all the employee engagement stuff with me, and she said, Daddy, every question in employee engagement is a passive question. A passive question. Do you have meaningful work? Do you have a best friend at work? Do you have clear goals? Kelly pointed out, if you ask people a passive question and they have a negative response, they will almost always blame the environment. Uh, do you have a uh, best friend at work? No, they're jerks. Do you have clear goals? No, they're confused. Do you do meaningful work? No, they make me do trivia. It's them. Kelly taught me the idea of an active question, and I'm going to share now on my own daily questions the first six questions, and then I'm going to talk about inviting everyone who's listening to participate. Great. Here are my first six questions every day. Question number one, did you... Did I do my best to set clear goals? Rather than saying, did the company set goals for me, did I do my best to set clear goals for myself? Number two, did I do my best to make progress toward goal achievement? 
rather than saying, did the company help me make progress, did I do my best to make my own progress? Number three, did I do my best to find meaning? Rather than saying, did the company give me meaningful work, did I do my best to find meaning? Did I do my best to be happy? Rather than saying, did the company make me happy, did I do my best to make myself happy? Did I do my best to build positive relationships? Rather than saying, did I have a best friend, were you the best friend? And then finally, did I do my best to be fully engaged? Rather than asking, did the company engage me, did I do my best to engage myself? Well, so far, we've done 79 studies. We ask people these 10 questions every day. 79 studies, 2,537 participants. 37% of the people report 10 days later they got better at everything. 65% said I got better at four out of six. About 89% said I got better on something. And 0-something percent said they got worse overall. It's amazing. The results have just been amazing. Every day, though, every question starts with, did I do my best too? And you know what? That's the one thing in life I can control. Did I do my best? And it gets people to focus on what they can control, not what they can't. And Linda, if anyone wants to participate in our research, my email address is marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, at marshallgoldsmith.com. If they'd like a copy of the daily questions I use every day, a research study uh, that we did, Leadership as Contact Sport, or if they would like uh, to be part of our six-question study, I'll I'll sign them up, and they'll get a note from us every day for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, I can measure, did they get better? Yeah, that is, that's a fabulous piece of research. I would really encourage everyone. That's a great offer, Marshall, to, to, to take Marshall up on that. And one thing I've, I've learned about uh, you, Marshall, and this is true, that you take the time to follow up with people yourself. And people that contact you, is amazing how as busy as you are and as much as you travel around the world, you know, you take that extra, extra effort to follow up back up with people. And it's, it's really astounding. It's, it's quite incredible. Yeah, so that's, that's wonderful. A, yeah. And you get such insights in, into people. You know, this sounds like this builds a little bit off of your mojo work. Can you yes. talk a little bit about that? It's, it sounds like it's the next step past that. Well, in, in the book Mojo, we talked about what matters in life. And what we found out, if you take two terms, happiness and meaning, you really need both. Um, because I've done several sessions in my, my, my home in New York or California with people who are my age and you know, getting ready for that next phase of life. And we talk about what really matters. And there's, we found you have to have two things simultaneously. You want to do something that makes you happy. You also need to have meaning. And what I found is for people like me playing bad golf with old men at the country club while eating chicken salad sandwiches and discussing gallbladder surgery all day, really after a while it's not that exciting. It's not that good. You need to do something that's meaningful, because if you don't, your life seems empty. On the other hand, you don't want to do something that's meaningful that you don't enjoy, because you don't want to be a victim or a martyr. So what I've really learned is you need both simultaneous happiness and meaning. I talked about that in Mojo. And in Mojo, that's where we did our original research on active versus passive questions. That's where we learned that the active questions make a huge difference. And then in my new book, I followed it at the next level. We said, okay, let's start. What are the best active questions to ask? And then we've done our research on that. So you're right. This builds on a theme. Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, one of the things I was going to ask you, I mean, your new book is not out until May, correct? Correct. But people can order it now. Yeah. That, and how do they do that, Marshall? What, what's the best way for them to go about just go to www. 
triggers, T-R-I-G-G-E-R-S, triggersthebook.com. www.triggersbook.com. I'll send it to them. It, it's a pre-order price is great. And uh, my goal is to have at least 20,000 sold before it comes out. Wow. And I bet you'll do it too. I, I don't have any doubt about that. You know, one of the things that I noticed um, and that I'd like you to just talk a little bit about, you know, and I did mention it's your behavioral coaching model and you ha- now have this stakeholder centered coaching that, that is offered around the world where people can mm. really experience this, but it is so much rooted into what we're understanding from how the brain is wired. How did you figure that out? I just thought it was incredible that you were sort of ahead of that curve. You know, I didn't, I didn't figure it out from that direction at all. I really, mine is more retroactive learning. I looked at the people that got better and then worked backward and thought, what was the difference between the ones that got better and didn't? And that's when I started realizing, in hindsight, it seems obvious that the people that talked to people and follow up and did the work got better. And, and shockingly, as you learned in your research, G, people that did nothing really didn't get better. That's so exactly. they didn't get better because they went to a program. They did better because they actually did the work. And that's another theme in my new book, Triggers, is the key is not the program or the coach. The key is the person. Now, let me tell you a funny story. In my coaching, I don't get paid if my clients don't get better. The client I spent the most amount of time with didn't improve at all, and I didn't get paid. The client I spent the least amount of time with improved more than anyone I ever coached. 200 people got better, and I did get paid. By the way, he was great to start with. So I go talk to him. His name is Alan Mulally. Alan right. just retired at CEO Ford. He was the CEO of the year in the United States, was ranked number three greatest leader in the world last year in Fortune, only behind the Pope and Angela Merkel. So I said, Alan, what should I learn about coaching from you? And he taught me two great lessons. He said, Marshall, lesson number one, your biggest challenge as a coach is called customer selection. If you pick the right customer, your coaching process will always work. If you pick the wrong customer, your coaching process will never work. And he said, two, never make the coaching process about yourself and your own ego and how smart you are. Make it about the great people you work with and how hard they work and how proud you are of them. And he said, as the CEO Ford, my job isn't that different. He said, I don't design the cars. I don't build the cars. I don't sell the cars. They have to have great people. And then he said, number two, every day I tell myself, leadership is not about me. Leadership is about them. And so I learned so much. And by the way, Linda... Guess what my yep. friend Alan Mulally is doing now? What's he doing? I, I haven't tracked him. Well, he could have been the CEO of Microsoft. He's had many wonderful offers, but he's decided to do something a little bit more fun. Where was he last week? He was in Sweden last week working with me. Oh, how great. How perfect we're, we're, is that? We're working together now. How excellent is that? I, I uh, absolutely love that. You know, you taught me a very good lesson, which was, you know, picking the right people. And I have made the mistake where I did not really have somebody that really wanted to be coached. And it was a real challenge. Mm. A real challenge. Let me tell you what, every time I failed as a coach, you know where the problem was? My own ego. Yeah. Oh, tell me more about that, Marshall. Well, you know, you know, and I'm sure you've had the same mistake. You know, we get into the, well, they don't seem too motivated, but, you know, I'm sure I can convince them, and I'm sure that when they work with me, you know, they'll get better, and we just get lost in our own ego, as opposed to saying, wait a minute, it's not my life, it's this person's life. And by the way, anytime you're coaching someone, and you care more about their improvement than they do, it's 
it's their life, not yours. You got a bad yeah. client. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. Um, what? So, what was your worst nightmare coaching experience? I would say, you know, and again, it was one of those where I didn't get paid. I was coaching someone that had a background in psychology. And basically, this person just talked on and on and on. And they always wanted to analyze everything. But the analysis always ended up in the same place. Here's the reason I'm not doing well, and here's why it's not my fault. So there was very little sense of personal responsibility. It was always analysis was really a thinly guised excuse-making process. And so I wasted so much time with this guy before I finally pulled the plug on the project and said, this is never going to work. Because he really, he really just wanted to use this as an excuse to point out other people's problems as yeah. opposed to take personal responsibility for himself. Interesting, this, yeah. story is, it, this story is in my book, Triggers, about me working with this person and, you know, how uh, this whole thing was not focused on him getting better. It was him... He was using our coaching process as a chance for him to analyze everyone else's problems. Wow. So how did you handle that? What did you, what did I you quit. do? I, I pulled the plug. Yeah. I yeah. said goodbye. How did I yeah. handle it? The stupid thing was how long it took me to do it. Yeah. I wasted a lot of time before. Yeah. You're so totally ethical when it when it comes to all of that. You, you really are. You know, Marshall, you do a lot of things. Uh, you know, I've heard you speak at women's conferences, and uh, and and you talk a little bit often about the differences between women and men in uh, in coaching. Have you found a significant? Uh, what are your insights there? Around well, you know, women and I'm, men? I'm amazed how often I'm asked to speak at women's leadership programs. Yeah, You know, oftentimes I'm the only man that's there. So I'm kind of the token man at the women's program. And there's 10 minutes. I, and by the way, I do something new uh, in my teaching now. When I'm teaching my classes at Dartmouth, mm-hmm. every class I spend 10 minutes with the women only. Kick out the men, spend 10 minutes just talking to the women. And they really like it. And what I focus on is the average woman is seen as a better leader in 360-degree feedback than the average man. According to Marion Ruderman, Center for Creative Leadership, they did a huge study. The average woman, as you know, has one issue to do with much more than the average man, the desire to be the perfect everything to everyone. Women statistically are much harder on themselves than men are. So when I coach women, one of the major themes I often have is, please do not be too hard on yourself. Please quit being so hard on yourself. You can't be the perfect everything to everyone. And in my class that I do with women, the real focus is be happy and let go of guilt. Yeah, that's such a big one. Tell that canoe story. I love that. Well, you know, uh, what happens is I'll tell you the two stories. The first one is, uh, you know, I ask people, can you think of a person who makes you bad, crazy, and angry? And everybody says yes. And then I say, how much sleep is a person losing over you tonight? I say none. So I say, who's being punished? And they'll look at me and go, me? So who's doing the punishing? Me. And they realize, why am I punishing myself? Well, the story, the first story is uh, uh, the woman is by the stream and two monks walk by. And she has on a beautiful silk dress and she's crying. And one monk goes over and goes, why are you crying? 
she says, well, I have to cross the stream to get to the beautiful, to get to the wedding. And if I do, I'm going to ruin my beautiful dress. I don't know what to do. And one monk says, I, I can't help you. I can't touch women against the rules. The other monk says, out of heck with the rules. Pricks her up on the shoulder, carries across her stream. She's so happy. Thank you, good monk. He's happy. He splashes back across the stream. His colleague, the other monk, is angry. You're a bad monk, a terrible monk, a disgusting monk. Why am I so bad? You're not supposed to even touch women. You pick that woman up carrying about, wave to say herself. Wet monk goes, ah, things happen. They walk back to the home of monks all the way back. Bad monk, bad monk. The wet monk dries off and goes to sleep. In the middle of the night, his colleague is still angry, wakes him up, says, you're a bad monk. Sleepy monk says, why am I bad? The angry monk says, because you carried that woman. Sleepy monk says, what woman? The angry monk says, the woman you carried across the stream. Sleepy monk says, oh, her? I only carried her across the stream. You carried her all the way back to the monastery. Wow, yeah, that's such a, such a great story. The, the lesson in there is that we really do it to ourselves, don't we? And, I, and I'll, I'll ask the woman in the class, I said, how long have you been carrying around this person? I can see the people that in their eyes. I can see it. How yeah. many years have you been carrying this person around? Then I say, leave him at the stream. Yep. Leave it at the stream. Now, funny story. I was teaching the women's program at Goldman Sachs. One woman raised her hand. She's one of their investment bankers. She said, excuse me. Excuse me. I said, yes. She said, can I please submerge them in the stream? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great one. You know, and every time you tell that story, I, I think of myself, and I'm going to ditch somebody at the stream after this call. I can I can tell you that. <laughs> I've been carrying around way, way, way too long. Uh, Marsha, we're coming up on uh, 30 seconds uh, for our next break, um, but stay with us. We have Marshall Goldsmith, uh, leading executive coach, top 50 thinkers, best-selling author, and I know he's going to have a best-selling book and his new one coming out, Triggers. Get a copy. You can get an advanced copy. So stay with us. We'll be back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, the Leadership Connection. Hi. I'm Linda Sharkey, and welcome back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. With me today is Marshall Goldsmith, leading thinker, uh, and we're talking about uh, his coaching practice and really why is it so different and how his methodology really has changed people's lives because it's helping them focus on themselves and not things that they can do to others. So, Marshall... Why is and and you talk about this a lot. You've got a lot of articles about it. Um, you know, I've used this practice myself that I learned from you. So why is the daily questioning uh, thing so different? Well, why is it so difficult? It's very hard for us to look in the mirror. I'm going to share which what I think is the hardest possible question. And Linda, this is totally counterintuitive because it's the opposite of what you might think. The hardest question you have to answer every day has the following characteristics. Number one, you wrote the question. Number two, you know the answer. And number three, the question begins with, did you do your best too? Which means all you had to do was try. Now, at one level, you'd think, well, wait a minute, how difficult is this? I know the question. I know the answer. And all I had to do to get a high score was try. Let me tell you why it's difficult. There's nobody to blame. When you wrote the question, you can't blame the idiot that wrote the question. When you know the answer, you can't say, it's not my fault, I didn't know the answer. And when it starts with, did you try, you can't even blame yourself for not being successful. You have to face the fact, I didn't try. I would say, I'm pretty good every day at failing at least one question that I wrote, and I know the answer, and all I had to do was try. Yeah. And that's It's tough. Because it's so much easier to blame others and play the role of victim and poor me and it's not my fault than it is just to look in the mirror and say, wait a minute, I'm kind of responsible for my own life. Marshall, that is such an insightful point. You know, we always want to blame others and really the answer is deep down in ourselves. And if we make ourselves a better person, our, our world will be just so much more powerful. You know, you, you're you working with Alan Malahi now, which I think is uh, so exciting. Um, and you're just such a learner as a, as, a, as a personal habit of yours. What have you learned from Alan that surprised you? Well, he has developed, he developed an incredible leadership process at Boeing and Ford, which is totally aligned with everything you and I have said. It's basically like taking my coaching process and putting it on steroids. It is phenomenal. It's not good. It's phenomenal. I just love it. Let me give you just a couple of the little details. The first thing is 
he sees his role as leader, as facilitator, not leader as boss. So in the same way, Linda, when we coach people, we say, look, you don't get better because I'm a good coach. You get better because you're good. I want to facilitate a process that helps you learn from everyone around you. He does that every week at Ford, the same words. Amazing. He gets in the team meeting. He encourages people, red, yellow, green, to discuss openly what issues, concerns they have. If someone is a red, rather than him leaping in as the CEO to provide an answer, his attitude is, why should I be so arrogant to believe that I can answer this person's question better than anyone in the entire Ford Motor Company? Rather than me leap in with my answer, why don't we all help this person find the best answer? It's amazing. The other thing he does, and this is, you're going to find this mind-blowing, in terms of the behavioral stuff, I've never seen it. Zero tolerance for bad behavior. And when I say zero tolerance, zero tolerance for bad behavior. There is no, there are no destructive comments. There is no cynicism. There's no sarcasm. You never make fun at other people at their own expense. You don't put people down. You don't try to be smarter than people. He has a system. How did he change the culture at Ford? No, I've never seen this. No tolerance for bad behavior. It's amazing. And again, when I say no tolerance, I mean no tolerance. One of the top executives goes to, went over his head to Bill Ford, the chairman, and he said, Bill, this is childish nonsense. Well, you know, I can't make little sarcastic jokes. This is a childish kindergarten. I'm not going to behave this way. Who is this guy? Bill said, go talk to Alan. Alan said, this is the way I've chosen for us to work together as a team. The guy said, well, I think this is childish. Alan said, I made a choice and you made a choice. Goodbye. Yeah, and that's what you have to do. You know, I just want to build on that for one second, Marshall, because what you're just talking about is what we all dream executive groups would operate as. And it's been my experience, not in all companies, but in a good many companies, that executive teams see their job as, you know, really grinding somebody else down. It's rare that a leader will say, take a step back and say, okay, let's jump in. This person is red on the dashboard. What can we all do to, to help here? And it's just such a different approach. And so many places don't do that. Why don't you think they don't do that? Ego. Ego. I think it's mostly ego. I mean, Alan is an amazing guy. I, I mean, a couple of statistics. He was the CEO for it. I think he made $400 million when he left. This is not a secret. It's public knowledge. He's in a union company, 97% approval rating from every employee in the company for him. Incredible. 97%. Unbelievable. In a union company. Why? He's a great guy. He saved the company. By the way, 14 of the 16 people on his management team were still there. He worked with them. He didn't fire everybody. They were the same people that led the company into bankruptcy. What changed? Him. Him. And his philosophy and approach. That that was really the key thing. And, you know, you look at what's going on with General Motors and Mary Barra, by the way, who's making quite a bit less than her male predecessor, which I find shocking. And, and you see that that old-time thinking about bureaucracy and leadership is pervasive, and Ford is doing great, and GM is, you know, not doing yeah. so great. But also, Ford didn't take any government money. That's right. That's exactly right. And I, I you know, you never see them, or, or I haven't seen them anyway, in the news for any of the integrity breaches that you see in some other places. 
Oh, there, you know what? He 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 worked with a guy that worked for the local newspaper, and the guy used to get. Alan asked him, how do you get all this inside information on Ford? You know, and he said, all I had to do is go home and pick up my uh, voicemails. There's more than I could ever, every week. I I get tons. Once Alan established a system, he he had every one of his leaders invite two people to every team meeting so they could watch. Every number was totally transparent. Uh, he gave the same numbers to the first-line supervisor, to the employees, to the union, to the management team, to the board of directors, and to the analysts. They all got the same numbers. What's his attitude? We're not printing money. Let's just tell the truth. Yeah. but Amazing. He is a rare bird, though, Marshall, don't you think? Well, you don't get ranked number three greatest leader in the world behind the Pope and Angela Merkel by being average. Yeah, that's true. But you can... You can be better if you ask those daily questions that those daily difficult questions that that, that you put into play. So, Marsha, we're coming up. Uh, we do have a question from uh, an email question that came in, but I want to ask you one other piece here. What one bit of advice do you have for leaders as they're and, and for people that are working with leaders and trying to develop leaders? Well, I always say here's my best coaching advice. Take a deep breath. I want you to imagine you're 95 years old and you're just getting ready to die. You're on the deathbed. Here comes your last breath. But before you take your last breath, you're given a beautiful gift. The ability to go back in time and talk to the person who's listening to me right now. The ability to help that person be a better leader. The ability to help that person have a better life. Then I always ask, what advice would the wise 95-year-old you, who knows what mattered in life and what didn't, what counted and what doesn't, what advice would that wise person have for the you that's listening to me right now? And my advice is to people, whatever you're thinking now, do that. In terms of performance appraisal, that's the only one that's going to matter. That old person said you did the right thing you did. They said you did the wrong thing you did. Some friends of mine interviewed all folks who were dying. On the personal side, they said, what would you have said? Three themes. Theme number one, three words. Be happy now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. Be happy now. Common comment from old people, I got so busy chasing what I didn't have, I couldn't see what I did have when I had everything. Learning point number two, friends and family. When you're 95, you look around your deathbed. No employees waving goodbye. You realize friends and family matter. And then number three, if you have a dream, go for it. Because if you don't when you're 45, you may not when you're 85. Business advice isn't much different. Number one, have fun. Life is short. Number two, do whatever you can to help people. And then number three, the same thing, go for it. Old people, we almost never regret the risks we took and failed. We always regret the risks we failed to take. That's a, such an inspiring statement, Marshall. It's just, I've, I've heard you say that before. It's always had a tremendous amount of personal impact on me because it's so true. And when I hear you make that statement and I listen to it for myself, it puts me back on what's really meaningful in life and in my own life. And I thank you for that. I have a question. I I have a question. It's from Anne, and she is from uh, Michigan. And she says, you know, I've just been named the CEO of a small company uh, that really is in the middle of a turnaround. And I've just walked in on a highly dysfunctional leadership team. Um, I read your book, 
what got you here won't got, get you there. And I see all the 20 habits, bad habits. What advice do you have for me to turn this around? I'm going to give you the two, two bits of advice. One, from, and by the way, from the two greatest leaders I've ever met, one from Frances Hesselbein, who Linda, I think you've met before, a spectacular woman with CEO of the Girl Scouts, did a, a great turnaround. She had a motto called Tradition with the Future. Never put down the past. So the first thing is there's a temptation to talk about everything that's gone wrong in the past. Fight that. The past is the past. Some of it was good. So tradition with the future. Build on the tradition of the past. Don't put it down, but don't relive the past. And then my friend Alan Mulally, how did he turn around a culture that was very toxic? What he did yeah. is he established very clear rules for team behavior and then had no tolerance for bad behavior. So in, in small points. In the team meeting, nobody uses a cell phone. If, he do, if they do, he stops the meeting. He says, there's something on the cell phone more important than the team. Side conversation, stop the meeting. Do you need to share something with the team? Somebody you know, uses their computer, stop the meeting. Uh, somebody makes a sarcastic comment, stops the meeting. Well, it's hard to do this. It takes courage. But if you really want to change that bad behavior, you agree with the team on what good behavior looks like, you establish a policy that says this is the way we're going to treat each other. And as a leader, it's tough. You have to stand up and enforce it. And my friend Alan has a good comment. He's the nicest guy in the world, but he always says, don't let the smile fool you. I have a backbone of titanium. And Linda, you've met Frances Hesselbein. She's the nicest woman in the world. Absolutely. Don't let that fool you. She's a strong person. And both of these two are incredibly similar in the fact that they both have the highest degree of ethics and integrity and values. They're both phenomenal people, nice people. They both did spectacular turnarounds. On the other hand, they established clear rules, and the rules are not negotiable. And yeah. if you can't live by the rules, leave. Leave. And that, that's where the courage comes into play. I hear so many people say, oh, but if they go, you know, they're the smartest person about blah, 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 whatever it is. But you have to have the courage to deal with that dysfunctional behavior. Yep. Marshall, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show. As always, you're one of the most inspiring individuals that I've ever met. You've made a huge difference in my own personal life. Uh, and my own career. And I thank you greatly for that. And I wish you every bit of luck with your new book. I've already ordered it. And um, I know it's just going to be the wonderful success that everything you do has been. And I, I know you're on your way to uh, Orlando to be with Johnson & Johnson. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. And I was talking about the great work you did. Today, as we mentioned, I was talking about the great work you did today. And, you know, Linda, I've met a lot of people, and I've said the same thing. And a lot of them, the result was pretty negligible, and with you, the result was spectacular. So I think a little of that credit has to go to you. Ah, well, thank you. I, I really greatly appreciate it. Again, I have with us uh, my guest, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, top 50 thinker, top executive coach, uh, world-class author, speaker. Uh, next week, we're having uh, Lou Carter, who's an entrepreneur. He started the Best Practice Institute uh, about 15 years ago. And now it's one of the leading organizations in the world around practices for talent leadership. And he's going to be giving us an inkling into future trends, 
uh, and what he sees going on around the world that we're all going to need to pay attention to. So again, stay with me next week. Thank you so much for being with me this week and uh, hearing my guest, Marshall Goldsmith. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 